I forgot to mention, but I want to mention that, that it was at the, what I, what I was talking about was in June of 1974, that meeting here in the basement. In August of 1974 is when we started the adult and choirs class for the first time and had three sessions of that and we're taking 100 and more people through it each time. And um, also then it was in the next of winter that we started the uh, Kennedy program in the winter of 75. So all of that, as we look back, came out of that experience of those nights in June. In the name of Jesus, though, now, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17 is what we're going to be looking at this morning. And, um, and uh, this, of course, is the epistle lesson for this morning. 1858, that date, 1858. In Philadelphia, it was a great year of spiritual revival and a great year of of a spiritual awakening. On a Tuesday noon in March of that year, some 5,000 people gathered in a YMCA downtown. 5,000 men gathered, and they came there to hear a preacher by the name of Dudley Ting preach. And he based his sermon upon Exodus chapter 10, verse 11, which says, you are men, serve the Lord. And the Holy Spirit used that message to such a tremendous, in such a tremendous way that men came forward after that. Over a thousand men came forward after that to dedicate themselves to Jesus Christ and commit themselves to following him. A few days later, a few days later, that young preacher who preached that sermon was watching some men shell corn when somehow in a freakish accident, his sleeve got caught in the cogs of the machine, his arm was pulled into the machine, terribly mangled and crushed. Every effort was made to save that young preacher's life, but to no avail. He died within a few hours. As he lied dying, of course, friends gathered around his bed. He asked them to sing Rock of Ages, which they did. As they were coming, as they finished singing that, it was quite apparent that death was close. And his dad was there, and his dad bent over him and said, Son, is there, is there something you want to say here at the last to, to us and your friends? And this dying man whispered, Tell them to stand up for Jesus. Tell them to stand up for Jesus. One of the young men who was at the bedside was a man by the name of Reverend George Duffield. Those words just sunk into his heart and mind, and, and as he was preparing his message in his church for the next Sunday, those words kept coming back to him. And so he preached on Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 which says, stand therefore, having girded your loins with the truth. And he ended his sermon that day with a poem that he had written on the day before. He dedicated that poem to his friend who had just died. And this, here are the first two verses of that poem. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye children of the cross, Lift high the royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead, till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. 
Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own, but on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer, where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. In our text for today, the Apostle Paul says to you and to me, he says to the people of Ephesus, and says to you and to me, stand up and stand fast for the Lord Jesus and the power of the Lord Jesus. And it reminds us in our text that we are involved in spiritual welfare, warfare. The first thing he talks about in our text is the enemy that we are facing. The next thing he talks about is the armor that the Lord has given to us to defend ourselves from that enemy. And in the third thing, he tells us about the weapons the Lord gives us to also defeat that enemy. Now today, I'm going to talk about the enemy we face and the armor that... Uh, that the Lord has given to us to defend ourselves. But there's just too much here. And so two weeks from now, I'm going to be talking about the weapons that the Lord gives us to defeat this enemy. And I pray God's blessing upon my speaking and your hearing. First of all, the Apostle Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. But before he describes the, honor, the, the armor, he shows us our desperate need for that armor. He says we have, a, we have a cruel and vicious enemy, and that enemy is out to destroy our soul. That enemy's intent is to lead us into hell. The book of Revelation calls that enemy the destroyer, the destroyer, and he will stop at nothing. He is utterly evil, utterly corrupt. He knows no mercy or compassion or sympathy. He is totally devoid of all, script, all scruples. No one is immune to his attack. He will attack children when they are very little. He will attack the sick. He will attack the handicapped. He will attack the dying. He, as, he will attack the young. He will attack the old. He will attack anyone and everyone, every human being. He's called, Jesus called him a murderer and a liar. And Jesus says he has been a murderer and a liar since the very beginning. Now, his power is superhuman, superhuman. By ourselves, Paul tells us, we cannot stand against him. If we try to stand against him, he will defeat us every time. And his damage and the destruction that he brings into the world is just horrendous. And he's not alone. Satan, of course, the devil, is the head of this whole group. But he is followed by a lot of demons, and Paul talks about those too. And Paul says they are well organized, and they are committed, and they are obedient, and they are well trained, and they are utterly ruthless. And nothing is beyond his power. Nothing is beyond uh, what he and his influence, what his influence. Scripture calls him the ruler of the world, the ruler of the world. And it also calls him the prince of the power of the air. And what all of that means is this, that he will do his dirty work wherever he possibly can, and that he will inject his poison into every human endeavor. He will inject his evil poison into government, into politics. He will inject his evil poison into art. He will inject it into the media. He will inject it into philosophy. He will inject it into culture. He will inject it into education. 
He will inject it into business, into marriage, into home, into the schools, beginning in the elementary schools and the high schools and the colleges and the universities. He is everywhere, touching every individual and attacking and attacking and attacking. The reason for all of this is he hates God and he hates man as he, intent, he is intent on leading every soul into hell. And what that means now, think about that, what that means is that he is intent upon leading you into hell. And he is intent upon leading your spouse into hell. And he is intent upon leading your children into hell. And he is intent upon leading your grandchildren into hell. And he's intent upon leading your parents into hell and your brothers and sisters into hell. He is intent on leading every person you know, every person you love, Every person you work with, he is intent upon leading every person you know who is around you into hell. That's his intent. And the Bible says he has a scheme. The Apostle Paul talks about the wiles of the devil. That means he has a scheme for every individual. He's very, very tricky in all this, and he has a scheme that he will use in attacking every individual. It may be different from individual to individual. But... He's scheming to do this, and he will try to amuse you away from God into hell. He will try to amuse you away from God into hell by tempting you to fun, which is beyond the boundaries of God's will. And then he will give you excuses for anything that, uh, that is not God's will. He will give you excuses to use to cover what you don't do and you know you should do and what you do do and you know you should not do. He will give you excuses and he will lead you to believe the very excuses that he is giving you. So he will try to lead you from God by, him, by amusing you and by excusing you and then he'll try to lead you away from the Lord by confusing you. He will inject into your mind all kinds of... Uh, misbelief, all kinds of doubts, all kinds of questions. He will do everything to confuse you, you see, over against the God and the things that God has told you. Then, finally, he will accuse you and lead you away from God by accusing you. And he does this in this way. He leads you into sin, and then he accuses you of that sin. He calls you and he tells you how stupid you are to do what he has led you to do. And he will accuse you and accuse you and he puts you down and tell you that God can't can't possibly love a person like you or forgive a person like you of the things that you have done. So he is cruel, he is vicious, he is corrupt, he is evil. And the apostle talks about this and says he's out to destroy your soul. And he will amuse you away from God and excuse you away from God and confuse you away from God and accuse you right into a very real hell. Now this week, had a man in my office who was questioning the existence of the devil and demons. And we talked about that. I said, how in the world, you, you read the newspaper, you're a bright man, you read the newspaper, you, you, you know what's going on in the world. How do you explain the evil that's here if, there's, if the devil is not real and there are not demons? You see, we had quite a discussion. But there are those, you see, who deny the existence of this being, this creature, who is out to destroy and who brings all of this into the world and everything we read in the papers, everything we hear on our television, you know, so often it's just, it is coming from him. Well, in view of all of this, Paul knows this is very real. And therefore, Paul says this. This is verse 13. Take the whole armor of God that you may able to be able to withstand 
in the evil day and having all uh, done all to stand. Paul now, in view of the battle that we are in, says, but God has not forsaken us and he provides for us the equipment we need to defend ourselves from the attacks of the devil. And then he uses military equipment to make this comparison, military equipment. Now the soldiers in those days, of course, had different equipment. If you were an archer in the Roman army, you didn't have very much equipment at all because you had to move quickly behind the scene to shoot arrows over, of course. But if you were on the front line, if you were a soldier on the front line marching, and that's all battles in those days were hand-to-hand battles. They didn't have, uh, didn't have uh, explosives like we do today. And so all battles were hand-to-hand battles. And so you would march right into the enemy and you would fight hand-to-hand. And so what he describes here is the armor that that hand-to-hand soldier used because of the, of the battle was so severe. And so what he's saying is this. Look at folks. You are in a hand-to-hand fight with the enemy, the devil himself. And you need all the armor you can possibly get. And then he says the first piece of armor you need is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now the belt, of course, was very important because it helped the soldier keep up his tunic and that would enable him to move around freely and run and those things. But it was also that which, on which he held his uh, sword. So it's a very important thing. And the Apostle Paul is saying, what you need is God's truth. You cannot stand against the devil unless you have God's truth. So you've got to have what God has said in the scriptures to help you in your battle because the devil is going to give you all kinds of opinions. He's going to give you all kinds of guidance and direction. And he's going to tell you, why don't you go in this direction? Or why don't you do this? Or why shouldn't you do, not do this? And, and what, this is what you ought to think. And if you do not have God's word to interpret what he is saying to you and discern what you're going to say, what he is saying to you, you will be pull first this way and then that way and you have all these suggestions coming and you'll be going from the fire into the skillet and from the skillet into the fire just back and forth you see he's going to tempt you with all kinds of thinking and there are things like this he's going to tempt you and boy we see this so often today and I see it so often today and you do too he's going to tempt you with this idea that the goal of life is happiness the goal of life is happiness That's the goal. So you can set aside loyalty. You can set aside duty. You can set aside commitment. You can set aside all of these things. And so we have men and women deserting each other. Spouses deserting each other. Mothers deserting their children. Fathers deserting their children. On the basis of happiness. I need to, I want to find myself. I want to be happy, you see. Where does that come from? That's from the devil. But the goal of life is not happiness. That's a lie. The goal of life is that I live for my Lord and so on. And out of that will come happiness. But my goodness, this is such a terrible, terrible thing that he's, you know, tempting people today. And you see it so often, you see families split apart, split apart, the home destroyed because of this kind of thinking or this kind of thinking. He says, you know, the way to discover whether 
or not you and your fiancé are compatible is to live with each other before marriage. That's a lie. That's a demonic lie. He would tell you that the way to solve unwanted pregnancies is abortion. That's a lie. He will tell you you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That is a lie, you see. Now, you've got to know the scriptures, though, to know that these things uh, are lies. You've got to have the truth of the scriptures to know these kind of things. And that's why knowing the scriptures are so tremendously important. That's why Sunday school is so important. That's why Bible classes are so important. That's why the Christian day school is so important. That's why Wednesday school is so important so that we get a hold of this truth. My goodness, let's let our, to send our children out into the world without a good background in this truth is just horrible. What we're doing is sit, sending them out into the world to be victims of the devil, and he can tell them anything he wants to, and they'll believe it. And so Jesus, and so the Apostle Paul says, one of the first things you know in your, must have in your fight against the devil is the, is the belt of truth. And secondly, he says you need the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Now, a breastplate in those days was a bronze, uh, kind of a bronze thing that covered your chest. It covered your heart. It covered your vital organs. And what Paul is saying there is that the devil is going to attack your heart, and he's going to attack it with shame and guilt. That he will do this. He will, in order to destroy you, who will bring up stuff from the past. And he will accuse you and put you down and make you feel miserable with all of that. He'll tell you that you're no good because of this that happens, you know, so long ago. Now, and, and if we put you down, he will tell you that uh, God cannot possibly forget and that God covers is still holding this against you and all of those kinds of things. And what, he, what Paul says is you need the blessed breastplate of righteousness. You need to know that... Jesus died for your sins. You need to know that in him and through baptism you are cleansed. You, have, you need to know that, that Christ has paid the tremendous cost to take all of that. And yesterday is gone and today is a new day with Jesus Christ, the breastplate of righteousness. So when the devil comes around to tempt you and put you down about yesterday, you say, devil, get out of here and leave me alone. I've got a Savior named Jesus, and he died for me, and you're not going to mess me up. You're not going to cause me to think less of myself because yesterday I have a Savior, Jesus, and he has taken away my sins. He has taken away my regrets. Uh, I have nothing to be ashamed of because he died for me and cleansed me and made me new. So, Paul says, one of his attacks is to, to make you feel that you're no good in the sight of God, and so you need the breastplate of righteousness. Another thing, he says, you need the sandals of the gospel of peace. Now, the soldier in those days needed good sandals because he's going to have to march for long distances, but he also needed sandals with cleats in them so that in battle he could keep his stand, you see, that he wouldn't be easily knocked over. And so the Apostle Paul comes along and he says, you know, too, we need the sandals of peace. What that is is this. The devil is going to do everything he can to knock us over off our feet through worry and fear and anxiety and tension. And so the sandal, you know, the, the sandals of peace, that, that's God's promises. That's God's assurances. That's the things that holds me strong during the tough times of life. It's those those promises and assurances from my father when the devil is going to attack me in the tough times of life and make me doubt his care and providence and all those kind of things. I can hang on to God's promises and know 
that I'm safe and that, I'm going to, that the Lord is going to bring me through. One of the great passages in the Bible that I hang on to, and we teach our children this, I have the kids memorize this in the eighth grade, with the hopes that they're going to remember this for the rest of their lives. But Isaiah 41.10, if you were in my eighth grade, you remember this. Isaiah 41 says, 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Now just listen to this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. That's a gospel promise. That's a sandal, you see, that helps us to keep on, stay on our feet during the tough times of life when Satan would attempt to tempt us with worry or fear or anxiety, all those kind of things. So Paul then goes on to say, after you've put on the belt of truth, after you've put on the breastplate of righteousness, and after you've put on the sandals of the gospel of peace, then put on the shield of faith. Grab a hold of the shield of faith. Well, in order to withstand the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, what's behind that is this. In those days, of course, the archers would dip their uh, arrows into tar and then set those on fire, and then they would shoot them over against the enemy. And so the enemy would have shields which were made of wood but covered with leather, and they would wet down the leather so that when the flaming... Uh, darts uh, hit them, they would be put out. And so Paul says, you know, you need the shield of faith to put out the flaming darts of the devil. And boy, that is so real too when you stop to think about it. He is shooting his flaming arrows at us all the time. If someone hurts your feelings, he'll shoot the arrows of get revenge, show them at you. If you get sick and have lots of pain, he'll shoot the arrows of self-pity at you. If you lose your job, he will shoot the arrows of depression at you. If you fail at something, he will shoot the arrows of discouragement at you. If you are healthy and things are going well and life is just on top for you, he will shoot the arrows of indifference and ingratitude toward you. If you are successful and really making it, he will shoot the arrows of pride at you. He's always shooting arrows, no matter what our circumstance in life, he's always there to shoot those flaming arrows to draw us away from the Lord. And finally, the shield of faith is my commitment to the Lord Jesus. It is our walking closely with him. It's our trustful obedience to him. And finally, Paul says, put on the helmet of salvation. Remember who you are. You are God's own. You are Christ's beloved child. And he has gone to the cross for you. Never forget that. No matter what happens, no matter what the temptation, remember who you are. You are a saved person. You are one for whom Christ died. That's who you are. So tremendously important. So loved by your Savior. And as you remember that, that gives you confidence to stand, you see. And that will be also protection. That will keep you in times of discouragement, all of those things. That will help you to stay fighting in the battle no matter how bad it gets. Well, you put this all together. And what Paul is saying is, listen, folks, this is real. You are facing a terrible enemy. And you know, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said that one of the devil's favorite tactics is to convince people that he doesn't exist. The devil's favorite tactic is to, defense, to convince people he doesn't exist. 
And most certainly that is true in our world today. There are all kinds of people who do not know the devil or deny the existence of the devil. He is doing with them. He is destroying them. He is pulling them down. And that's such a, such a tragedy. We have a great God, the Apostle Paul says. He knows what's, what we're up against. And so he has given us great armor to protect ourselves. Now the question is, are you using the armor? That's the question every one of us has to ask. Are you using the armor? Like the old hymn, Stand Up for, Stand Up for Jesus says, are you putting on each piece each morning with prayer? When you get up in the morning, do you put on the belt of truth? Do you put on the breastplate of righteousness? Do you put on the sandals of gospel peace? Do you get a hold of the shield of faith? Do you put on the helmet of salvation? You need to put those on before you go into the battle. Because if you wait to get them on the battle, then you've waited too long. And so what this all says to us is don't leave the house any morning without your armor. See to it that your children have the armor when they leave the house. You teenagers, young people, when you go to school, don't go without your armor. When you go out on a date, don't go without your armor. When you go just to hang out with your friends, uh, don't go without your armor. When you as an adult go to any kind of recreation, don't go without your armor. In other words, don't leave the house without your armor. Because this is not a party game. This is not a video kind of thing. This is real. The warfare is real. And that's why God this morning, through the Apostle Paul, says to you and me, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil.